Hi, friend. Welcome back to The Everyday Evangelist. I'm Jessica Dudek, Director of Evangelization at Christ the King Catholic Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And this is your landing ground for practical tips and tools for sharing the faith in day-to-day. Today, we're continuing our conversation on the conversion journey and pressing into the first threshold and the importance of trust. Last week, we talked about the five stages of the conversion journey, listed as the five thresholds taken from the book, I Once Was Lost, by Doug Schaup and Don Everts. And those thresholds are trusting a Christian, being curious, being open to change, seeking Jesus, and finally embracing the truth. And today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper on trust. What does it truly mean to trust, and why is that so important? I invite you to think for a moment about somebody that you do trust and ask yourself, why do you trust them? And how has that trust been proven over time? And what does it mean now that you trust them? Now, many people come to mind for me when I ask that question of who do I trust? But one person I'm going to highlight is my very best friend. My best friend and I met in college, and so we've been friends for almost a decade now. And she's somebody who has invested in my life, supported me, encouraged me, um, allowed me to be present to her for her. She's been present to me for some very difficult times in my life, and she's allowed me to be present to her when she's had difficult times. And like I said, she supports me, so we encourage one another um, in life and in the things we believe that God has called us to. And I know she's trustworthy because time and time again, she's been a safe person for me to be vulnerable with, a safe person for me to have even difficult conversations with. And I know that she's not running around and telling other people my business or gossiping about me or anything like that. And I know that if at any time somebody were to be gossiping about me, that she would probably stand up just for everything that is true. And she would only ever say, you know, good things about me to someone else. And she's also trustworthy because we can have safe conflict with one another. When one of us needs to tell the other person something that you know they've done wrong, um, I know she'll come directly to me and she's going to be honest and open and caring um, as well as be honest and open and caring when um, navigating conflict goes the other day as well. So this trust is something that has been built over time. I mean, when my BFF and I first met, we didn't instantly start sharing every level of our souls with one another. Um, But now she's someone that I know that I can have extremely personal conversations with um, and know that it's, that's a safe and secure place for me. And what that really means that we trust each other is that if my best friend recommended a recipe to me or a book or a podcast or a movie or something like that, I would read it or make that recipe or watch that movie strictly because she recommended it to me. The level of trust is so high that when she has recommended books, I've gone and read those books and vice versa. When I recommend a book to her, she goes and reads that book. So trust is something that is built over time. It's only healthy if it's mutual. And the fruit of trust is really following one another's lead. And so what we're talking about here is an authentic 
relationship. And so how do we build an authentic relationship when we don't share the same faith? And the reason that can be tricky is because when you're a baptized Christian and when your faith is so important to you, there can be a difficulty with building a true connection with somebody who doesn't have that in common with you, because how do you share your heart with someone who doesn't understand your heart? Because my best friend and I, you know, she is an incredibly strong disciple and loves the Lord in such an incredible way. And so I've grown spiritually from being friends with her. But that's harder to do uh, because if your faith is so important to you, it's harder to do that with somebody who is not a Christian. But yet trust, true trust is a two-way street, Anything besides that is more of a parent-teacher dynamic versus a peer-to-peer. Now, in evangelization, that can feel awkward or that can feel clunky. And in a sense, you're going to be peer-to-peer with the um, with your friend who isn't of the faith in other capacities. But in that place of the faith, you're likely to have it feel almost more like a mentor-mentee dynamic because you're not on the same page with that just yet. So that's going to sound a little bit paradoxical. You know, what does it look like to have true two-way trust when you're also sitting in a place where you know that there's this massive area of life where, you know, you know more than the other person does. But here's something that is true of evangelization. You know, as you said in the last episode, the best way to help somebody seek the Lord is to be seeking yourself. I have learned so much about Jesus from those who are coming to know him for the first time because they're looking at Christ from a different angle than I am. And they're coming from a different perspective, a different background. And so they actually have a unique view of Jesus that's different from my own. And so I actually grow from their growing understanding of Christ. So let's sit with the paradox. You want the trust to be mutual and to go both ways, but at the same time, you are trying to bring them to a different place. So think of it as you're helping them grow in their relationship with Jesus, that paradoxically, at the same time, they are helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus as well. Because as you seek, you will be able to help them seek. Okay, so let's talk now a little bit about how do you build this trust in the first place? Something that is so deeply important in this is authenticity. Don't be somebody that you aren't. And by that same token, don't force a faith conversation, but also don't avoid a faith conversation, both forcing something to happen or avoiding something that's starting to happen. Both of those things are breaches away from authenticity. Authenticity inherently builds trust and you want to stay true to yourself in all instances. So here's an example from my own life with that. Um, A few years ago, I looked at my life and realized that I was very much surrounded by Christians. You know, I worked in full-time ministry. I went to church. I lived with people that were of the same faith as myself. And so really just 
everyone I was interacting with on a daily basis um, was of the faith. Now, my job was in evangelization. And so, sure, I connected with people who weren't Christian there. But in my life, just for me as Jessica, I was definitely in a very Catholic bubble. And I was convicted that, you know, evangelization is not my job. It's my lifestyle. It's supposed to be, the, it's the thing that we're all called to as baptized believers. And so I considered how I could expand my network and put myself in a place where I could meet people who aren't necessarily of the same faith. Well, with that, I had to stay true to myself. It wouldn't be a good thing for me if I went and joined a volleyball team because I am terrible at volleyball. I am probably the worst person at sports I've ever met in my entire life. And so if I went and joined a volleyball team, I wouldn't actually have anything in common with the people playing volleyball. It would be strictly me wanting to evangelize them, but I wouldn't have actually another connecting point. So instead I joined a choir because I am a musician and I love to sing and there are reasons for me to be there. And so then everyone I'm meeting in that choir, we have common ground. We're all there because of a passion for music and of a love specifically for community and choral work. And so instantly we have things that are drawing us together that we connect upon. And so nothing has to be forced in having an initial conversation. And so we can start building trust by connecting on something that we have in common. So the shallow most spaces of relationships are going to be connecting first on just those things that you have in common, of finding common ground with somebody and a place where you can agree. And really that's incredibly important because if you don't have a place where you first agree, then you don't have a way to listen to the person on the things that you don't agree upon. It's an incredibly important tactic and strategy just in life to always start on common ground if you want to be listened to. So then the next level of building a friendship and building trust is starting to invest in the other person. Now, I have people in my life that I'm very close with because I took the first steps of investing in a friendship, and then I have people in my life who I'm very close to because they took the first steps of investing in a friendship. And the beautiful thing about friends is that we choose one another. And so the next place you go from that place of connectivity and common ground is choosing somebody choosing to invest in them, to hear about their lives, to know about what else um, makes up who they are and what else they're passionate about. What do they care about? What do they do? And then how can you start sharing those parts of yourself with them? So this is also going to be then the next space of authenticity for you. So first you've been authentic in pursuing something that you care about. And the next step of authenticity is going to be appropriately revealing where your faith impacts your life. Now, as I've shared before in this podcast, it's almost too easy for me because the moment someone asks what I do for a living, we're talking about faith. Um, So in your life, you may have to find other ways to authentically bring that up. You know, what are your plans for the weekend? Well, I'm attending this thing at my church. Or if you have, you know, a Bible study or something that's important to you, you can have and you should feel the freedom to bring that up. And again, not in a way that's forced, but just as you're getting to know the other person. 
This is crucial because if you hide away and tuck away your faith, then when it does inevitably come up later, the other person is going to feel very awkward that you hid this from them. And that's going to break trust immediately. If you had someone in your life who kept a grave secret from you, you wouldn't know really how to engage with them moving forward. You wouldn't know how to trust them. So upfront um, and as it comes up, if we really want someone to trust us and if we want to be trustworthy people, then we need to be upfront and open about our spirituality pretty quickly inside the relationship. So then the next level of building trust or building a relationship after we've connected on a common ground and gotten to know them kind of beyond that and investing in that way is to start taking risks and getting outside of our comfort zone. Because up until now, we've just connected on our you know, commonalities. And now we have to get outside of ourselves and take a risk for them. So one time, a gal in my choir was reading a book, and I was trying to build stronger trust with her because I wanted to help her come back to the faith. And I wasn't super interested in the book she was reading, I'm not going to lie, um, but I asked her what she was reading, and she handed me the book. Like She was just finishing it and said, here, I'm done. You can, you can take it. And so I went and read the book. And I actually ended up loving the book and being super grateful for it. And then we had something new to talk about to join in together. And it did start leading into faith conversations. So another way after we've started to invest in somebody is start getting outside of our comfort zones with them. Take a risk for them. And I can pretty much guarantee that the risks that we take for them are going to be incredibly small compared to the risks that we are going to ask them to take in seeking out a relationship with Jesus. Now, of course, that we know that having that relationship with Christ is so worth it. There's there's not a way to say it. It's the best thing that they could ever do in their entire lives, but they don't know that yet. But we get to model risk-taking by taking risks for them. And that risk might be something like reading a book that they're reading. So you have something else to um, share together. It could mean inviting them over for dinner, or if they're having a barbecue, going there, or something like that, uh, but something that gets us uncomfortable. And that shows the person that we think they're worth risking for, and we think they're worth investing in. One important note here, though, is don't walk unwisely into temptation. Take risks that are appropriate for you in your life and don't do anything to put pressure on your own witness. So if you have a history of a drinking problem, don't go with someone you're trying to build trust with to a bar. And really, that just goes along with being authentic. Now, Let's pause a little bit on talking about sort of the strategy of building trust with somebody and recognize that when we are evangelizing, we're not looking at the person as a project. You know, we're not looking at someone's life and saying, oh, I see how this person needs to change. So I'm going to choose to take them under my wing and shift their world for them. That's not what it is. What evangelization really is, is it's about loving somebody into their potential. 
You know, when Jesus saw Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth, he didn't just see a tax collector, he saw who he could be. And really what Jesus saw in him is he saw the life that he always planned for Matthew. And so evangelization is coming alongside somebody and recognizing that God has something more for them. He has something good for them. And it's about helping somebody truly come to happiness and truly come to a place of having purpose and joy in their lives. And this comes from love. When we have when we love our family, when we love our friends, we want to see them happy, whole, strong. Um, and that sounds cheesy, but living their best lives. And so evangelization is not about shifting somebody. And in a sense it is, but it's not about them being a project and it's not about us being successful or something like that. But it's about loving them into who God made them to be and helping them come into fullness of life. And really that that gift is the greatest thing that we could ever give. And the most worthwhile thing we can do with our time is give it away so that another can have that life. And what I love about evangelization with everything we're talking about today is we're talking about having a new friend. We're talking about having a new sibling in the Lord. You know, God didn't just reconcile the world to Him, but He also reconciled us to one another. In life, we're we're missing each other. We're missing brothers and sisters by the result of sin. And so this gift of what God gives us in evangelization is a trust that goes two ways. Now, if someone doesn't share your faith, then sure, there's not going to be, there's going to be areas of your life where you don't fully trust them to speak into, um, at least not at that point in time. But there's going to be other ways that you can trust somebody. And what I've always seen is that as I step into life with somebody and step into their conversion journey, God's been working on them so much longer than I have been, and He's going to continue working on them. And in every person's life, the law of the Lord is written on their heart. And they're going to be living into that to some extent. And so even before they know Christ, there's ways that our brothers and sisters who are wayward can minister to us. Because in every way that a person is searching for truth or living into truth, then they're living into God's plan. So again, this can seem paradoxical, but let's go back to Mary searching for Jesus. She talked to him before even recognizing him. And this is true for so many of us. Before we come fully into relationship with God, we're walking with Jesus at some point, or we're seeking him um, and just not even realizing it yet. So just a few more notes on building trust. First of all, center your relationship with that person on prayer. Now, obviously, they don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, so this is just about your prayer, your prayer for them. Again, one of the most loving things we can do is continually offer up somebody to Jesus. So pray. And then from that, as we're talking, you know, learn about their lives. Invest 
in them and let that be authentic. Let it be motivated by a desire for their friendship. And from that place of learning about them, give your heart permission to bond with them. Even before they know Jesus, let your own emotions be open to deeply caring for this person. And with that, wherever you see good and wherever you see truth at work in their lives, affirm it and affirm it as much as you can. You know, maybe they're partnering with a charity that is grounded well morally. You can step into that and you can affirm that. Or if they're starting to have a realization in their life that they maybe need to step away from something, speak truth and encourage that and free that. And then the next one is just to welcome them into your life and start introducing them to your faith and to what really matters to you. So some things we want to avoid is avoid arguing just as much as we possibly can. Avoid having a fight with somebody. More often than not, that doesn't lead to where we would hope it would go. We don't want to lose our tempers or lose control of the situation. The last thing we want to do is fight and then say something we regret. And friend, I say this from experience. I got into a really ugly, super nasty fight with a friend before her conversion. She was attacking my faith and saying really nasty things. And I barked back. And I barked back things that were true, but I still barked. And I felt terrible. And it didn't do us any favors in our friendship. And by the grace of God, she came to know the Lord and our friendship recovered. But I can promise you from my own experience that you don't want to have arguments, fights, and screaming matches over the faith, about the faith. You know, we've said before, what you convert somebody through is what you convert them to. And Jesus converted people through relationships. He came down hard on the Pharisees and the church leaders because they were the people that knew better. And so they deserved correction, but he was all sorts of gracious to the tax collectors and the prostitutes and whatnot. And yes, he told them not to sin, but first he had a friendship with them. So avoid arguing, avoid fighting. Um, and and that's, that's more external. Inside yourself, check yourself for maybe the knee-jerk reactions um, that you have when you kind of find out about somebody's life. You know, if you get really uncomfortable, if they say that they're living with somebody, or if you get really uncomfortable if they are practicing another faith or something like that, check yourself for the knee-jerk reactions because if you don't check yourself, then it's going to come out in your behavior. And that's also something that damages trust if somebody feels like we're judging them. Because I mean, it would break trust with you if, you know, you tell someone you're a Christian and they recoil, you get a sense of what they think of you and you feel judged. So let's give that same token of understanding to someone else. Like let's check ourselves, watch how we internally react so that we don't externally react. So a good way to counter our knee-jerk reactions is recognizing yourself what makes you uncomfortable, and rather than running from it or avoiding it, press in and learn more first. 
letter posture B, asking them questions. Because again, what we're modeling then for them is we're teaching them how to seek. You know, if they tell us something about themselves that makes us really uncomfortable, but our response is to press in and ask them a question more, well, then when we tell them something uncomfortable, i.e. that we're Christians, we're letting them know that they can press in and ask us questions about that. With that, though, it's very important that we avoid relativism. There's no truth in that idea of you do you. Or something could be, you know, fine for you, but not fine for me. That that doesn't add up. You know, if something is true, it is going to be true for all people, all times, all contexts, all cultures. And so it doesn't do the other person any favors um, if we actually have a laissez-faire approach to life. But long before we can really tell somebody that something isn't okay, they have to have a reason to listen to us. So if we ever want to get to the point of you know, telling somebody that they're doing something that's harmful and that could damage their eternal soul, first we have to love them as a friend. We have to show them that we're safe and we have to give them a reason to listen to us. So this is why trust is the foundation. It is the primary and most crucial part of evangelization. Whether you're meeting a person on the street or you've known them your entire life, trust is the building block from which everything else is built. So friends, in all things, lean on the Lord and rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.